And I got in there and they were like, oh, we want you to do uh, keepy ups for a minute. Okay. For a minute and with the stopwatch in front of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm all, you know, I'm already cool. shaking and sweating. <laughs> and I was like, oh, good Lord. <laughs> and as I, as I, 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 to start with, I couldn't like even get the ball. Like I was like trying to like, you know, you kind of roll the ball back onto your own foot. Yeah. To try and get it going. <laughs> and I started to do that, mate. I, as I did like the second and third keeper, I made the <laughs> dreaded error of reaching for it. And I toe shunted the ball at the casting director's head. And said, yeah, I'm not sure she did boxing training, but she slipped. <laughs> like oh, she was slipping a jab. She slipped it. And it just went straight past the head. And I was like, oh, sorry. I, uh, and she, she sort of like looked at me and then turned around, looked at the ball behind it, picked it up and she placed it in front of me. Do you want to try that again? Hello, this is your host Graham Rooney and welcome to A Performer, A Pint and A Pod. The podcast where I take you down the pub and we meet a performer, have a drink and find out the tiddly truth you only get in a pub. I'll be chatting to fantastic performers at all different points of their careers, discussing where they've come from, career-defining moments and of course, guilty pleasures. All whilst having a laugh and getting a wee bit pissed. Fancy a pint with a pop star? A whiskey with your West End idol? Or a mojito with a magician? Then join me down the pub. So, without further ado, let's head down to the local and see which one of the nation's top performers is in there tonight. Pint please, mate. Thank you very much. This episode, I catch up with top actor Tom Hopper, star of The Umbrella Academy, SAS Red Notice, Game of Thrones, and many more, including the upcoming sequel to The Hitman's Bodyguard. Now, a wee confession before we get underway. This was recorded at the end of last year, just so that you're all aware. What I can say... The Performer Pint Pod Christmas Party just got a bit out of hand, and I've only just recovered. Anyway, here it is. Enjoy. Tom Hopper, hello and welcome to A Performer, A Pint and A Pod. How are you, mate? I'm very well. I'm very well, Graham. How are you? I'm all right. Not too bad at all. What What are you drinking? Oh, mate. Well, I don't drink alcohol, and plus it's 11am in the morning where I am, so uh, I'm, I'm a coffee man. Um, hang on a sec. Let me get my... I've just dropped it over here. I can't believe you've left. You've, you've left the podcast left. within a minute. That is the quickest. Yes, I... Anyone's yeah. gone. It's like, I've got to go. I've got to go. Um, so I, I, drink, uh, I drink this particularly good Ethiopian coffee over here. Oh, you're a total connoisseur, aren't you? Oh, you're a proper yeah, like my, connoisseur. Yeah, so I don't have many like of those kind of vices, you know. So um, when I drink coffee, because I got into coffee, Toby Stevens from Black Sales got me into coffee. Right. Like, okay. yeah, like was, we were doing these mad training sessions for for Black Sales, and I hadn't really ever drank it before, and he he was well into his coffee, and we had a night shoot. And we had a big training session the next morning and I was absolutely zapped. And he was like, mate, have a coffee. <laughs> and I said, oh, I don't know, like, I'm not sure if I need it. And he was like, he was like, look, 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 have a triple espresso. You'll feel great. 
I've always wondered, <laughs> I, I always think that I'll be bouncing if I have a coffee before. Mate, the... well, this totally, this is the thing, this is what happened. Like he, so he gave me, um, he went into the, it was this really great coffee shop inside this garage on the way to the, the gym that we'd go to there. And uh, we're down in Cape Town. And he went in and I, I just sort of let him rule the, the way and gave me whatever he wanted to get me. And he got me this, this triple shot espresso, which is like rocket fuel. <laughs> And he was like, listen, get that down. You'll feel great for the workout. And I got there. So I was drinking this coffee on the way to, to the workout. We got in there. We started warming up. And I felt my heart like go. <laughs> I was like on the freaking ceiling. And, um, but I tell you what, it did give me a hell of a, an energy boost. And then I kind of got this. That was what got, got me started. I thought, oh, I'll have another one before the gym. Tomorrow, that felt, that felt pretty good So you yesterday. had a borderline heart attack, and that made you decide coffee's for me. Cer- certainly uh, palpitations were going <laughs> on, yeah. Um, how close I was to the heart attack, I, I don't, I'll never know. But it was, it was pretty, uh, I was dicing with death, I think. But, but that's especially because my loved. body had never taken in caffeine before anyway. So when it took in a whole chunk of it in one go, and this was strong coffee over there as well. You'd never had caffeine before, and you had three shots and one yeah, go. Yeah, never like coffee like that. I mean, I'd had like Nescafe and stuff like that, but I never really had like a proper coffee. Yeah. So this was this was kind of a wake up call. But then that kind of got me. Uh, I, every time I'd hang out with Toby, we'd go and have a coffee and stuff. And then because I don't drink and I don't do anything, you know, I don't do any drugs or anything like that. It sort of became because I to take you back a little bit. I used to be well into well, drinking a lot of alcohol eating crap all the time like i was pretty unhealthy really and when was this was this like when you're at drama school or pre-drama school what was it? yeah well sort of yeah through my teens i would make pretty I mean, like like most teenagers you know you go through the stage where oh, you yeah. eat a lot of crap you know it's like what you do at college and stuff no, and stop, mate. Pizzas. <laughs> yeah exactly or, or you never stop like you grow you know scottish just, 38 just keep it going. still going <laughs> Well, at least you won't get reflux with that. There's no bubbles in it, so. Oh, thanks, mate. Thanks. It's, 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 <laughs> it's true. Like, like for people who can't see, this is the flattest beer going. That's I'm on Heineken. That opened about an hour ago. Um, I was saying before we started. This is like uh, before we started shooting. I said it looks a little bit like dehydrated wheat, but it, <laughs> but then Graham said, "Well, I grew up on Tenant's beer, so there you go. You would know about that. It but, is, uh, it's, yeah, it's like drinking a sample. That's what it's like." <laughs> <laughs> A particularly bad one of the looks of things. I, <laughs> yeah. I would want to get that tested for sure. Yeah. <laughs> or at least have a drink of water. Yeah, um, no, yeah, exactly. Just stop drinking samples of piss. Yeah, exactly. That would that would help in, in the first sentence. But yeah, I got I got when I when I started having to do these things for roles was when I started looking at nutrition, I suppose, for how to get into better shape and everything. And I would go back and forth from eating shit all the time to trying to go to the gym and trying to stay in good shape and it just it was just so hard man like you could like at a certain age it's easier but is that when you, like, when... you know because there's, there's a lot of boxers talking ricky hatton used to he was mm. one of the, like the worst for that he would blow right up like yeah had a in fight, between like, fights yeah. yeah he finished a fight then he'd just go everything everything like that you would have fry ups takeaways the whole lot and then he'd hit yeah. training session and get right back down its eyes again 
So, I mean, yeah, so is that, that basically what we're saying that you kind of yeah, agree? Yeah, that's kind of what we did. Yeah, like I would, I would think I would see it as an end goal, right? Like at the end of a a shoot, I would see that as an end goal and go, right, just gotta eat that clean until the end of the shoot, and then I can eat what the hell I like. And then I would binge, man. I would cut out everything throughout the shoot to the point where I felt like I was craving everything. So I would just go nuts at the end of a shoot, and. Like my, the, the funniest actually, going back to, to Toby Stevens, I hadn't seen him since finishing shooting season one of Black Sails. Yeah. And it was a good sort of three months, two, two, three months since I'd seen him. And I was like lean as hell, like in the first season, um, because I just depleted everything and I was like really, really lean. I had very low body fat. And so my face and everything was like properly lean. And then I went nuts after we finished shooting, like ate anything and everything. I like to, to put it into context, like I would, just because I could, it was, that was the mentality of it. It was like, I, I can, so I'm gonna. <laughs> what did you light up? What was your worst meal? Oh, mate, like I would do, I was not, not even kidding. Before I go to bed, I would be like, I'm going to have like three bowls of Frosties. I would have like, I would <laughs> have one, I would have two, and then I'd be like, no, I, no, no. But like, I mean, that was just one of the things I was, I would go and eat, um, like I would, I would try and encourage my missus as well to come along with me and like bring her down with me. Oh, I was, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'd like, like if I'm going, if I'm going to go down, you're coming with me. Exactly. And she was far too easy to, to tempt, unfortunately for her. But I would be like, let's go get McDonald's. Let's go. Let's get a pizza tonight. And I would, I would just devour everything because I could, because I just felt so deprived through that first, that first season of the shoot. And and that, but you're talking about black sails. I mean, you had, you had Merlin before that as well, where obviously you yeah. like the ripped sort of Percival, like, you know, no sleeves, the whole shebang as well. So, yeah, so that's the thing with, with that. I was still doing all the working out, but I just didn't really see diet as much of a thing. So I wasn't really that lean and wasn't particularly healthy when I was doing it. I think my youth through, uh, black, uh, through Merlin was helping me out, you know, like I was able to maintain a certain amount of muscle mass and, I basically just focused on the gym and didn't worry too much about food unless I was just getting enough protein, but I wasn't particularly healthy with it. And then I was still eating a lot of sugar and I think was very addicted to sugar still. But then when I went to black sales, they cut out all that stuff. And if you, anyone who's cut out sugar before, if you eat a lot of sugar, it's like coming off a drug. It's yeah. like, think, yeah, like think if you've ever like craved anything like a cigarette or anything like that, or if you've ever come off a drug, cold turkey it's like that and all you think about is sugar you just want to eat sugar but it also shows how much sugar is in everything like it's it's everywhere when you try yeah. and cut it out it's just like that's all that's available to you yeah no a lot, i've heard a lot of people say sugar is is like a, a drug basically and it is that it is almost as bad um like a yeah. lot of people have said it's it's one of the worst things. Um, but you said, like, sort of, they, so what, when, uh, when you were on Black Sales, uh, was it actually part of it that they helped you with a fitness regime? For sure, yeah. They put us on a, on a diet to get us, uh, to lean us down and uh, on a very strict fitness program, which was amazing. Like, I learned so much through that fitness program. Um, the guys over at uh, Rourke Gyms in Cape Town, they, I mean, it was intense as hell what they put us through. But at the same time, I, it set me up for a lot of like mentality. The way I look at fitness and the way I look at training and working out now 
is is a lot down to them, you know, like how to to really test yourself. And you actually never know what you're fully capable of until you go down into quite a dark hole and and push yourself beyond what you think you are capable of. And yeah. they would do things like fitness challenges and stuff with us to really test us. Um, and that that for me set me up for life, really, and what I now the way I now see working out. I don't always obviously push myself to the limits that. I did in that gym, but I certainly like to test myself and make sure that I'm, I'm never just phoning it in. You know, I'm always like looking at a goal where I want to be, where I, like, whether it's in, you know, three months time for a role or whether it's for when I'm 80, I'm looking at what I want to be on a physical level for the rest of my life and how I deal with that mentally. Yeah. It's, it's funny listening to you because you like, you, Obviously, from your career, there's roles that's a lot to do with your physical shape, um, and and I was interested. I was sort of like I was thinking, was it like because these days I've noticed there's been quite a big shift in drama schools. A lot of young guys are getting in really good shape at drama school, whereas when I was uh, at drama school, everyone was just on the beers and like takeaways yeah. and everything. Well, they also was it when you were at drama school did they tell you to not lift weights they had a big thing about not lifting weights at drama school for movement i, I don't you know, think they needed to tell us that <laughs> yeah <laughs> like we don't need to tell them yeah i was like yeah don't worry about it don't worry about it i think we'll be fine <laughs> in our, uh, we had a bunch of lads in our year who were all quite keen to to stick we you know because there's a few of us that were fairly sporty going into drama school and you know, I got a couple of buddies who were lifting weights quite a lot, like I was before starting. And they were like, when we got told, oh, you can't lift weights, don't lift weights because it tightens you up and it would be, you're not able to be free on stage and stuff. We were like, oh, what? Because we like wanted to stay in shape. But I think most people, you sort of took the advice. Whereas I, the thing is for me, I was super, super skinny when I started drama school, like really skinny. Yeah. And I started to feel like I wasn't fitting into any kind of um, brand, I suppose, for when I when I would come out of drama school, any kind of casting. I didn't really fit into anything. And it was really important for me to look at acting as a business as well as an art. Yes, because I had no, to definitely. Realize, you know what I mean? Because like, I think sometimes people don't realize that you're not just going to go out there and people are going to go, you're good, you can have this job. If, That's it. If you like, don't, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I always remember, like, um, there's been a couple of times gone back to my drama school and I've talked to the third-year uh, drama students. And the thing I always tell them is when they do their showcase um, at the end of drama school um, is to remember who you are, the package that you are, and what people mm. are going to see because that is initially what you've got to sell, like, the, the specific thing you are going to sell. It isn't, like going to be that you can do a 45 year old man with a wonderful accent because guess what they've got 45 year old men with that yeah. accent so yeah you need to know you what you're selling and of course you'll be a fantastic actor within that but you do need that package yeah no definitely totally, yeah like it's like you've got to see yourself as a product at the end of the day in my opinion like you've got to see yourself as like when you walk in that room they're looking for a very specific role where they need someone to come in and go, I'm this role. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. People coming out of drama school going, you know, I think I see myself more as like a character actor, you know, like it's like, well, good luck to you because it's, <laughs> it's going to be very, very hard because people want a brand. 
so that for me one thing that I tried to do like I was a big fan of Arnie growing up through the 80s and 90s like Arnold Schwarzenegger right well, and yeah, yes. I, yeah so I did a lot of research on him like I read a lot of his um like his story like growing up and how he decided he wanted to become a movie star and one thing he thought he was, would do is just try and stand out as much as possible by being the biggest guy in the room being like the most muscular or whatever and but one thing he did he, he was he made himself one of one of one of a few there wasn't many guys like him um and early on he knew that he couldn't act he knew he wasn't the best actor in the room but he he branded himself as something yeah he was right. like, like he's very very driven and focused um from the stories that I've, I've read about him yeah 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 he was he was he just knew exactly what he wanted he knew what his end goal um what he wanted his end goal to be and he just drove towards it and a big part of that was creating a physique for himself so taking that as i suppose a little bit of inspiration i was like if i could put on some muscle if i could put on a little bit of you know size to kind of stand out because i'm six five there wasn't many six foot five actors but there was, you know you probably get a few skinny tall guys out there yeah but i'm like where are they really sitting you know where are they like being put into what kind of movies are they going into um and the thing is with drama school, they always kind of push you towards theatre, I think. I, I mean, I've certainly found that in, in my training, that like it was much more theatre-driven. And I was always thinking, no, nah, I want to do film and TV. Like, I, I love theatre. Like, it's where I started and I had the passion for it. But I always knew my career, I wanted it to be um, driven by film and television work. So even though they were telling us to not do weights and stuff, I mean, my teachers <laughs> would probably be like, what? He was doing what? Um, when they hear this. But I was... I, on the side, I bought myself a bunch of weights and was like, no, I'm going to like try and stand out and be something different to what everyone else is. Um, so when I got out there into, into the real world and started auditioning, I, I remember my agent saying to me, you know, it, it could be tough for you because you are very niche. Um, but at the same time, there could be the, these odd roles that come up that you're just right for. And fortunately for me, it was the latter, you know, like I'd start getting things for, I mean, my first role was was casualty, and I was like a debt collector. And there we go uh, straight away. Yeah, big guy yeah, so needed. Like big guy, yeah. So I <laughs> will have I played, Tom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll have him. And it, the thing <laughs> I, I seen, I, I realized quite early on, like there's certain. I think the more open-minded you are, and also the more aware you are of what you are offering, um, and the roles you start to get, or like the ones where you get good feedback. And you go, oh, I think this is where I kind of sit. Is that's a really positive thing if you can be aware of that. I think just from my own experience, like I started to realize that being so. My my the thing I started to sit into earlier in my career was I've got quite a, like young, like soft looking face, right? Like a bit of a baby face. You do. And, um, for the people just listening, it has a very young, beautiful face. <laughs> I never said beautiful. Your word, not mine. Uh, it's lovely, uh, lovely soft skin. <laughs> soft skin, yeah. It, it's not Nivea. I won't tell you my secrets. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, I think what I realized was like, oh, they kind of want, if, if there's a big guy who is kind of soft around the edges, you know, a big guy who's got a big heart. Yeah. That, that kind of role, I always seem to, uh, do all right at you know I, i'd maybe get the job or get very close to so i started to sort of see the kind of thing that i was fitting well into and when you know that you when that kind of role comes up for you 
you can go in more confidence. And I think confidence is everything. When you walk into that room and they, they get a sense from you that you are meant to be there, that you are this role. I think yeah. the more you can go into any room with that confidence, and it's not an arrogance, it's absolutely a confidence in your own self-belief of what you can do. Because you've gotten roles like that before. So you go, I think I sit in this world. I think I can do this, this role. And that's all it is, man. And I think that I, from, from my experience, the roles that I have been fortunate enough to get, it, it's been those kind of experiences. Yeah, well, no, I think that's absolutely right. Like you say, I think it, it isn't an arrogance at all. And I think um, there is a lot of uh, self-doubt out there and being unsure. And there's nothing wrong with believing in yourself yeah, totally. and, and, for a, and, and for a part. And it makes a big difference in your addition. Like you say, it just makes for a relaxed atmosphere. And then every, it, it just works a lot better. It does, yeah. I think because um, one of the things I found as well is like making – making uh, them the casting director or uh, the producer, whoever it is, the director, the more at ease you are with yourself and your performance, the more they feel at ease and they feel comfortable watching you, you know? Yeah. You prepare as much as you can prepare and then you let it all go in a way. You just, I always find, I don't know about you, but I find the times that I've performed the best in auditions is when I've, I've prepped the hell out of it and then gone, right, I've done all that now. I've done the preparation. I know I've done the preparation. So now I'm going to relax and enjoy this process and enjoy giving them my version of this role. Yeah, I think that that is it. When you, 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 you're totally prepped and you go through that door and you just relax and just have fun. You actually have, like, it's almost like when you're in a rehearsal. If you could get every edition, like your rehearsal room state where you're just sort of having fun and safe, it yeah. makes a big, big difference. Um, that's totally it yeah um, creating that nice environment for yourself is uh, and I think finding techniques to do that yeah you know don't neglect that side of it because it's it's hugely important I mean that that is your calling card right I mean your audition is your time to to get the job or not it's either going <laughs> to go your way or it isn't yeah get the job so, or fanny it up there we go. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the two way it goes, right? Uh, so, do you know what? On it, that, I'm going to ask one of my favourite questions. I always ask everyone: Have you had yeah. what? What is your worst audition, mate? What would you, have you got? One that you've had an absolute so, stinker in? I've had what I mean very early on in my career. I mean, I suppose more recently, you know, like I, I, I find that it's it always goes relatively smoothly in terms of. Like I say, you know, I prepare so I can get to a point. But earlier in my career, I was like a shit show because I would, <laughs> I would just go in like a shivering wreck and be like, oh my God, oh my God. To the point where, you know, you're just desperate to get that job, right? Yeah. So you just go, especially if you've not had an audition in a while and then you get one and you're like, it's this, it's all or nothing <laughs> it's on so this. It's true. And it'd be, be for like a freaking 7-Up commercial or something. And <laughs> uh, I suppose, my, I can't remember what it was for. But I remember having to do kick-ups, right? Like keepy-ups. That's, uh, yeah. In that's, the audition. There's so, so much pressure, no matter how good you are at football. Yeah. The pressure on that. Mate, I can't do them in my backyard. Never mind uh, I can do them like in a bloody <laughs> audition room. I was a goalkeeper, so I, I certainly I didn't have much foot skills with the ball. But, uh, of course, like your agent calls you up and goes, can you play football? And you go... Yeah, 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 I can play football. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, totally. okay, cool. We've got an audition uh, for you where you got to, uh, uh, you might be playing football in the in the job. So they they just want to see you do some 
stuff with the football. And I was thinking, oh, okay, I'll just have to, you know, move the ball around a bit, you know, whatever. And I got in there and they were like, oh, we want you to do uh, keepy-ups for a minute while we film you and just like, just play around. And I was like, okay. For a minute and with this... the stopwatch in front of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm already, you know, I'm already cool. shaking and sweating. <laughs> and I was like, oh, good Lord. And as I, as I, 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 to start with, I couldn't like even get the ball. Like I was like trying to like, you know, you kind of roll the ball back onto your own foot yeah. to try and get it going. <laughs> and I started to do that, mate. I, as I did like the second and third keepy up, I, I kind of, you know, when it kind of gets away from you a little bit and I yeah. reached for it, <laughs> I made the dreaded error of reaching for it. And I toe shunted the ball at the casting director's head. And bloody hell, I'm not sure she did boxing training, but she slipped. <laughs> like oh, she was slipping a jab. She slipped it. And it just went zoom, straight past the head. And I was like, oh, sorry. I, uh, and she, she sort of like looked at me and then turned around, looked at the ball behind it, picked it up. And she placed it in front of me. And she went, do you want to try that again? It's like, yeah, I'll, I'll I th- give I'm it not, another blast. I, I thought she'd just put it down and go, Thank you very much, Tom. Thank you very much. <laughs> that's all. That's all we need. <laughs> I, I should have said, "Do you want to see any goalkeeping skills?" <laughs> yeah. Tell you what, if you throw it at me, I'm, do you want to play I'm heads like and a, volleys? I'm, I'm pretty good at yeah, that. I'm like a cat. <laughs> exactly. Just keep throwing at me. I'm like Peter Cech. Um But yeah, it was. That was. I had another one where I had to pretend I was in a trolley and a rhino was. I was in a trolley falling down a hill. A hillside, right. and there was a rhino chasing me. And I remember <laughs> this moment where I was like, three years of drama school for this." <laughs> sounds and like thought, a nightmare as well. Sounds yeah, like you wake up and like, go, guys, was, yeah. guys, I was I was in a trolley, <laughs> I just had the and there was a rhino face. behind me. <laughs> My God, it was surreal. <laughs> and yeah, I just I remember thinking it was, and I. I and I got to the end of that audition and, and, and they gave you nothing, right? The, the casting directors in there and the people that were making, who were casting for the audition for the, for the advert, you, you get nothing from them. And I was no, like that. trying so hard. And they went, okay, thanks very much. And I remember feeling, have you ever seen that um, uh, Fiery Hawk video? Yes. Mate, yes. so every actor who's watched that will go, I know what that. If you people listening, if you haven't seen the Fiery Hawk on YouTube, go and look it up. It's Cardinal Burns. That's uh, the Cardinal Burns group that did it. Yeah, it is. It's like it's it's so outrageous. You watch it and you think, oh my god, this is outrageous. Who would do? And then you're in adverts, and you it is it is just it. I mean, once I had to kneel down on a cushion, and uh, one of one of the people came up with uh, an oven glove. And I had to say a line, and then they slapped me across the face because they were playing the role <laughs> of the seal. <laughs> the role of right. the seal. So in this advert, I'd be kneeling there, and I'd go, say my line, and then they just, I just got a smack across the face. And then, so I was like, I was like, wait a minute, I've just been smacked in the face with an oven glove. And then they like, thank you very much, Graham. That was, that was great. Thanks a lot. <laughs> you know, and, and it's, like you. It's, it's exactly like you say, like, I got into one of the top drama schools in the world, <laughs> you know, yeah. cut to two but years then, later and I'm getting hit with an oven glove. Like, this is yeah. what I'm going for, you know? I remember there was this, uh, this, um, this Romeo and Juliet movie, God knows if it ever got made, but we all, all the lads in my year, 
like all the lads in my year, in third year, when we were at drama school, got a call to go for this Romeo and Juliet audition. Yeah. And as Romeo, we all got auditioned for Romeo. Um, but it was mad because I thought, oh my God, how many people are they seeing for this thing? <laughs> but in the first audition, they'd already, they'd already cast their Juliet. And this Juliet had to, well, she was obviously reading opposite all the guys that were going in. Yeah. And at the end of the scene, Juliet and Romeo kiss. And <laughs> this girl, who is the Juliet, we get to the end of the scene and she properly lays this kiss on, <laughs> on me when in the middle. And I was like, oh my God. But she properly went for it. And what was hilarious is that I then spoke to all my mates who went for it as well. And they went, did that Juliet like properly snog your face off? And I was like, oh my God, yeah. Did she do that? She was like, yeah. And every lad I spoke to, she did the same thing. And we found out that like friends from different drama schools all went for the same audition and had the same experience. I was like, this poor Juliet well, must have snogged about 300 lads over the space of three days. Yeah. Unless it's hard company. Like, you know, unless she arranged the whole thing. <laughs> she was like, I know where exactly, the top, yeah. the top like, totty in the country is. is. Producer. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, she's running the show. She just wants to yeah. snog all the pretty boys for the drama school. Oh, mate, she went for it as well. My God, like tongue and everything. <laughs> tongue? The whole shebang. Tongue, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it was well, addition. I mean, I remember, yeah, I couldn't believe it. And, um... I mean, that was, I think that was actually my very, very first audition, that one. So, I mean, you're already bricking it, aren't you, for, for your first ever audition? Then well, you know, it was a lovely, also... well, a lovely finish for your first audition. It was. <laughs> she was. She was pretty as well. She was very nice. <laughs> All the lads were going, yeah, she was nice, wasn't she? <laughs> I was like, I'm not sure I feel the same way now. She snogged 300 lads. I bet you there would, be, there would have been some guys coming out there going, yeah, they, she never laid it on them like she laid it on me. <laughs> you just thought they like, would have been coming no, out no, going, she, she really gave it to me. She, yeah, I mean, no. no, no, like proper Tom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever it is, guys, a little peck, but for me, the magic. That's what she, she gave me the real good stuff. Oh, man. But yeah, I mean, it was, I, I do think sometimes with auditions, there's such a weird environment. And particularly for like girls, you know, my, my wife has had some mad experiences, especially early on, you know, where you, you're trying to get auditions for anything. And yeah, it's mad what producers will do to get certain girls and stuff. There's a shocking rate of actresses that I know about. Have really bad experiences. Yeah. No, there, there really is. Sometimes you, you hear about like, people get asked to do and stuff. And, and, yeah. and the problem is, is there's, like, like, there's a terrible power balance in auditions as well. And uh, when there you is, people yeah. like, you know, especially at the beginning of your career where you're really desperate to show and like to get a job and to show how good you are and, and, and like to work with these people there and again. So you always just yeah. like, oh, well, I've got to do this. This is what uh, actually sometimes totally. it's like, no, I don't like, you know. Yeah. You, I like, I don't you, want to. Yeah. I mean, I remember there was uh, a period, I'm not sure if they stopped doing it now because I guess there was the whole Me Too movement and, also, just generally, I think it's probably more frowned upon. But there was a big thing for a while where, remember when, like, 300 came out, the 300 movie, and, like, Spartacus, and there was all these things about blokes being shirtless in things and showing that they're ripped and all this. Yeah. I don't know if you went through this, but there was a huge period where, oh, you're going to have to show your physique in the audition. You're going to have to, like, you're gonna, they're going to want to see you shirtless in the audition. And there's this horrible pressure that you get put on. I mean, I don't know if like girls got this, but as a male, 
and just speaking freely, you know, I was like, fuck, oh man, I don't want that pressure. He's hard enough going into act. And then you've got to I take mean, your shirt off and pretend that you're like shredded. I mean, they, they, they never wanted to see me topless. That's definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. I don't think that was never requested of me. Um, I mean, I once asked, I asked them, but they said they were like, no, 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 no. No, you're, you're all right. You're all right. You're okay. Are you sure? <laughs> I actually would really like to see it with your shirt on. If possible. <laughs> yeah, I know. That would be great. Uh, yeah, like it, especially in uh, in Los Angeles, there was a period when it it seems to have like died down a little bit now. Like, but I remember just going for things like surfing movies or any kind of worry movie where people would maybe have to have their shirt off in the movie. Bearing in mind that they put you through a training camp for these things anyway to get you into shape. Well, that's it. Yeah, they, and and this like this obviously it's got to be down the road quite a bit. Like you know you've got to be like screen test point or whatever sort of as well. Like to just be coming in. Yeah, first audition. And, first audition. Uh, would you like to read the scene? No, top off. Come on. Yeah, get it off. <laughs> like, get it off. Um, now, would you like to read the scene? No, we've seen your top off. You're not reading the scene. Get out. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Yeah, it's, it was it, that. Those things were, you know, they're never conducive to good work anyway. I think, you know, you, I don't see how you're gonna. You got to be particularly comfortable with doing that. And I've never been really that comfortable with taking my shirt off anyway. It's not been a thing that I like to do. It's just, I just don't see the point of it unless it's, it, it actually contributes to the scene. You know, I've had times where I've been asked by producers in it, when I'm shooting something, they're like, oh, would you want to do that? Hey, we think, you know, it might be good if you could have this scene shirtless. I, I always say, but why? What's the, what is the purpose of it being shirt other than you just want a scene with a shirtless dude in it? Yeah, uh, for me, it doesn't. Well, it. It, yeah. never... Unless it's it... purpose for it, I don't get it. Yes, exactly. If it, if there's if there's no reason for it, like in the sense of the script or that, like then yeah, the, then why why get the top off? Yeah, <laughs> especially if you're a peely wally Scotsman like me, <laughs> with, a, with a minor top beer off. belly. <laughs> yeah, I was going to top off, still beer in hand. Yeah. Uh, nice for everyone listening there. on the podcast that can't see the video, I'm top off now. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, talking about your career, like, like we've always talked about additions there and stuff like that. Let's like, your, your, it's probably your first big gear change was Merlin. I would say was that. Mm. So, what was the addition like for that? Because, like you say, there's pro- there was a lot of pressure when you're young. You're not long out, and you've not had loads of different things. Um, but when that came along, I'm guessing that you knew it was going to be a regular for a couple of series, and it was a massive hit show by that point as well. Yeah, there were two. Yeah, were there two seasons in? Yeah, two seasons had been out, and they were shooting the third. I mean, I I'd actually taking the plunge and going across to America the, the sort of the year previous to that. Um, I did this oh, movie yeah. called Tor- Tormented, which had a decent British release and I managed to get a US visa off the back of that. And me and my wife, I just met my wife at the time and we, we or my girlfriend at the time, um, who she's now my wife, but we decided <laughs> no, to take the plunge. At the time. <laughs> like... She's not my wife at the time. But uh, we decided to take the plunge and go to LA together. And, I managed to get my first US movie over there and it was like, oh my God, I got like a big US movie. Yeah. And on the first day of shooting on that, I uh, I had these like crazy pains in my stomach, right? 
and right. turns out I had appendicitis. Jesus, really? Yeah, yeah. So I went to the hospital and they they took my appendix out, like when I was in the middle of shooting this thing, and that was kind of like the beginning of a pretty downward spiral. And this is what's so weird about careers and stuff, man. But I I lost the movie. Like they couldn't they couldn't insure me to go back on set. So like, boom, I'd lost the movie. Oh, like, and I'd already started shooting, so they were trying to like get it recast because I couldn't shoot. And then I had this crazy U.S. medical bill. At the time, I was so naive to like insurance and stuff over there. And I had this mad medical bill over there. Of course, yeah. And um, anyway, we managed to get that all sorted. I was like, I just want to, I just frick it, I just want to go home. So um, Laura and I, my wife, we were like, let's just go back home to the U.K. and I was in like a pretty bad place mentally. I was just like, screw this thing, man. Like I'm trying so hard to get this career going. I couldn't get it going and uh, I hadn't worked in ages. Yeah. And uh, my agent called me up and was like, listen, I have, I had this audition for this show Merlin. I'm not sure if you want to, what you're feeling like, how you're feeling at the minute, whether you want to go. And I was like, nah, I just, I'm not in the right headspace." And she was like, okay, no problem. And she she'd sort of like been talking to the casting director back back and forth and and saying that you know I'd been doing, doing this movie in America and stuff and the casting director was like well I'd really like to see him if he's in town, yeah. so she called me again and I went all right I'll I'll go down and do it, and I uh, certainly wasn't in a good place and I think that's one of the weird things about it is I kind of took a little bit of the pressure off because I was like oh, screw this man like I'm I'm just like I'm not feeling it right now. I kind of went in very relaxed and not thinking I need to get this. It was more like, oh, well, you know, I'll just go and do an audition, you know, and see, see how I feel. Yeah. And as I got into the audition room, I, so I had to do, the, the, the role was for, you know, Sir Percival in, in Merlin and there wasn't many lines for him in this episode. So I, had, I actually had to do a scene um, by uh, Lancelot, a different character. So I learned this scene and I went in there and I just remember really enjoying the read, just enjoying yeah. it, just doing it with the director, just enjoying it and just enjoying doing a scene again. I was like, oh, it's really nice to just do a scene again. And I suppose because I just saw it like that, I remember the reaction, the, the, the reaction was like, hmm, that was, that was really nice, Tom. That was really nice. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, cool. And <laughs> we chatted about it. And we did the scene a couple of times and like, you know, the redirected me and everything. And at the time, actually, you say about uh, I knew it was going to be a regular role. I actually didn't. It was it was a role coming in to the end of the season, but they didn't know if they were going to go for a fourth and fifth season in the show. And oh, right. They just all all that I knew would happen to his character is he gets knighted at the end of that that season with the rest of the knights, but they didn't know if they were going to go anymore. Um, so it was only just like one or two episodes, I think, at the time. And anyway, I did it and then my agent called me up and was like they want you to do it and what's amazing about that then that became the next three years of my career and it changed everything really and yeah if yeah, i yeah, hadn't yeah. have got appendicitis it never would have happened it changed everything for me that that career move and at the time when the, that append when i lost that job my world fell apart and i thought that was my calling card and it turns out appendicitis was the wrong thing that got me my calling card 
you know it's, it's <laughs> crazy that is this career is insane you do that's the thing you look back at certain moments and where someone's gone completely tits up but it's actually opened yeah. up another door 100 percent, um, man i always say that to people you know especially young people coming through and i remember actually the movie that i was on peter dinklage was in it peter dinklage was uh was opposite me in that movie and he was he came to my bedside in, in the hospital and came to see me when I was yeah. there and he was like, You're gonna look back on this. He was like, I remember and I remember being in like this state at the time, being really like in a bad way. And he was like, You're gonna look back on this and it, it will all come good because I promise you. And then I because he said to me, that's the word he said, he goes, You're just a pup, man. You're just a pup. <laughs> don't worry <laughs> about the, it, you'll be fine. The thing is you don't realise at the time, do you? You just you don't never put it into context. You can't you never um, it's of very hard to. No, no, of yeah, course. He, he, it's it's sort of like this. At the time, you're so immersed in it, aren't you? Yeah. You think you're just in the depth of despair about it. I mean, I 100%. But, and, and and when you've got this great part in the movie, and then you get appendicitis that like knocks it. You you've to go over to the states is such a huge leap, and then to yeah. get something and achieve something like that. And then to be shot down, especially in such a hard industry, that no wonder you were thinking and being where you were at. Um, yeah, yeah, it was it was a tough it was a tough hard pill to swallow. Yeah, that's for sure. But then that, that's the thing, like Peter Dinklage, because I I was you know I chatted to him there and then and then I went on to eventually obviously onto Game of Thrones, and I met him again on there, and he was like, I told you, man, I told you, I, I was like, I know, I knew I'd see you again. And and I was like, yeah, I remember when you were talking to me at my bedside in the hospital, and uh, I never forgot that. And it was, it was a great cool. kind of, it sort of rounded off that whole kind of saga for me, really. That seeing seeing and working with him again, especially on on Thrones, you know, it was it was great. It was really nice to see him again. But yeah, Merlin Merlin was for sure the thing that changed everything, that really put it all on the go, I suppose. But it never gets getting jobs. <laughs> never becomes like easier right like there's always that i mean especially when i had kids and a family now and, and a wife and kids and uh, a mortgage and the you go there's an underlying pressure to your career always that never goes away yeah no definitely i mean i say that <laughs> i was like yeah as though i had a mortgage and kids i don't <laughs> <laughs> I've just got yeah. me i've just got it's me a microphone in this little room i'm in <laughs> that's it so i'm okay where um, are you though you're in london or you where are you you're in, in scotland or uh, i'm in london. i'm in london yeah yeah well that's that's as good as having a mortgage and kids mate it's expensive down there <laughs> oh it's it's ridiculous i know in scotland i mean yeah i could be i could have 10 kids i'd be fine compared to Easy peasy. In london. yeah they'd be all fed on tenants <laughs> definitely that's and it. Greg's samples of urine. There you go. <laughs> there you go Every day, <laughs> without fail, hardcore nutrition. Enjoy that. <laughs> oh mate, but yes, no, yeah. yeah, no. I'm in London at the moment. We're about to move into tier two. If you've heard about that, we're uh, going. Yeah, to I don't know what's going on. Uh, I'm in Canada at the moment, but I, I know that they have they've they've got introduced a three tier system or something, right? And they. Yeah. Well, what's tier two? Is that like is that, is that lockdown again? Is it or 
No, that's tier, tier three is more of a lockdown. Tier two is a little bit of a mystery uh, where they try and catch you out with doing something wrong. <laughs> like oh, tier yeah. one, tier one, that's you know, one. <laughs> tier one, you think is exactly the same as what it is now. So t- tier one is like stay alert, but <laughs> yes. go out, enjoy yourselves, but don't go out and enjoy yourselves. That's exactly it. That's the one. And then tier two, I mean. Tier two, that like they, who who really knows exactly what it is. Is re- a restaurant still open in tier two? Yes, I think it's just you can't visit your pals at their houses. That's it. So are we still? Oh, is that the the people of six rule? Is that still important? That's all. In that's two? still kicking about. Yeah, that's still. But yeah, tier two, you you just can't go around to someone else's. Everyone has to remain within their household. So even if you go out, you have to remain within your household as well. Oh right, wow. Okay, yeah, that's there a little bit stricter. So there we go. That was our little COVID break brought yeah, to yeah. you by a performer <laughs> of Pain in There's the one pod. in every podcast, isn't there? I think every podcast is at least a little bit of chat about COVID. <laughs> yes. It's not 2020 unless you do. <laughs> that's it. No, totally. Um, so, after, so after Merlin, like you say, get Merlin, bit of a game changer. Um, mm. How did things uh, move on after that? Did things doors open a bit more for you? What was what was kind of like the score? Yeah, so with Merlin, I mean, I suppose the thing as well with Merlin is that it wasn't like the biggest role in the world. I was very present, you know. Obviously, I was always there with the, the nights and stuff. But I didn't have a huge amount of. Um, we we always called ourselves the best paid extras in the business because we didn't have many lines. We had the odd line here and there. We standing in the background looking cool like the bunch of knights to support and yeah the... i mean i watched it in lockdown so I've, i saw the whole thing oh mate. so you know got, all about got, it yeah I, I literally got hooked i got hooked and i loved it in lockdown yeah it's good it was fun great, great good little fun. watch so you'll you'll know what i mean then like so it was I, I wasn't particularly challenged uh from an acting perspective on that and i remember thinking uh, as i was coming towards the end of it we knew we were finishing season five and i remember thinking I'm so ready for a challenge. I'm so ready yeah. for to be challenged in whatever way that was, but particularly from an acting perspective. I actually learned so much from watching, like Colin and Bradley, who played Arthur and Merlin on that show, and like, watching all the other leads, I, I remember watching and, and trying to absorb everything they did because they were very, very good in that show and they, they had a great chemistry. And one thing I've always tried to do is watch and learn other, from other actors because I think that's your best, once you're in the industry, your best um, teaching tool, I suppose, is other actors and Definitely. seeing what other great actors do. Yeah, because I, I, love, I love seeing other actors interpret things, and like, like bits of script to that. You see the way they interpret oh, yeah. it, the way they come at it, and you go, oh, God, I didn't even think of it. Like, that's brilliant. Yeah, that's such yeah. a good way to go at it. Yeah. Totally, so, yeah. So yeah, so that's what I, so I remember thinking that and I remember being in a place in my acting career and in my mind of being so ready for it. I remember thinking I'm ready to be challenged. I'm ready to really take my acting uh, on. You know, I want to challenge my acting. Yeah. And then um, there was all this chat about this new pirate show that was being auditioned for. There was, there was all the, the scripts were going around, for which was Black Sails. So there was a lot of people talking about it. Um, you may even remember them were going around. The scripts, like, were, there was the, the pilot um, auditions were going around. No, this and is what Bradley did when I spoke to him. He was like, everyone was getting seen for Merlin. Everyone. Every actor I knew. And I went, Brad, I never got seen for it, mate. I never got seen for it. 
I never got to see the Merlin when the first rounds were going around. I know, I was like that. I was like, he was like, everyone, everyone. And I was like, I never it's got like, to see mate. No, Bradley, it was you and 10 of the lads. That was it. <laughs> yeah, it was you. Everyone. Fluid, yeah, no, he was like, fluid Matt Smith and everyone. I was like, you, Doctor Who. I was like, God, <laughs> yeah. God piss, piss off, That's Brad. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he was... Uh, but he, yeah, he knew he was playing Arthur as well. Like he was like, he, he, I remember him telling me that whole process with that. He was like, I'm, this is mine. I remember looking around all the line and going, you know, and that was a confidence thing as well. Like Bradley, what's yeah. great about Bradley is no matter what happens, is he's got this, this unshakable confidence. Cheers, chin up. Let's <laughs> no, no. be opening another can while he talks away let's there. Let's see the head on this bad boy. I hope we get a better one than last time. <laughs> <laughs> this will be a proper, proper pint coming. Carry yeah, on yeah. your story. Don't let me yeah, hold you, you up. <laughs> yeah, please carry on. Um, and uh, But yeah, anyway, so going back to Black Sails, I, uh, the, yeah, I got this audition and no one else got seen that I knew. Lots of people getting seen for different roles. Oh, mate, that's kind of gone the other end now, hasn't it? That's like... <laughs> Overcompensated. I've done that before. Yeah. <laughs> My God. Um... And I, I, I remember getting the script through for Billy Bones. And, uh, and again, here's the funny thing. The, 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 I think the character description was um, uh, giant, like a, a big guy, mus- muscly guy um, with a heart to match his muscles or something like that. You know, like a, um, so he had like a softer side, even though he was like the bigger dude. And Billy Bones was like on his young, in the first episodes, is like a young, naive pirate, really. He's kind of naive to the pirate world and what it yeah. has in, in store for him. And he, he's questioning a lot all the time, but he's always got the right ethics. He's got the right morals for what he, he's always trying to protect his crew and his mates. And I, I remember seeing this breakdown and thinking, I reckon I could give that. I reckon I'm, I'm about right for that. And I remember thinking, there's a bit of like comedic timing and stuff needed for a couple of the lines and stuff. And I thought I'd be quite interested to kind of throw a bit of a comedic kind of twist on that. And, you know, just, just looking at how the best I could do that role. Yeah. And uh, Suzanne Smith was casting that um, show and she was brilliant actually as a casting director for that. She really like directed as well. Anyway, so I went in thinking nothing of it and I did my, I did my audition and Suzanne Smith is brilliant because she never really gives anything away, Suzanne. Like, she, she goes, okay, good, like that. So she, you never know if you've done a really good job or not. You're like, kind of, sometimes you walk out going, uh, did I, was that okay? Or I, I probably screwed it. Yeah, I, I reckon I messed that up. But actually, you, you know, you might have done all right. So she doesn't give a lot away. She's got a poker yeah. face. Um, and I remember forgetting about it, you know, and everyone else was auditioning. And I remember there was a few people that started, like, testing. And I thought, oh, I must not have got anything for that yeah yeah. and yeah. a lot of people started doing their tests and stuff and i remember owen Mackin tested for vane in the show who's he's one of my best mates owen and um he was testing for vane and everything so and just, just for people who are uh, not actors of that um by that you mean screen tests and that so they're like going um yeah a lot further down the line possibly on set or with other like matching up with other actors um that might right. get the role um, exactly. So, like in this in this instance, you do a test. Um, they usually pick it down. Like the, so you do a, your first audition or a second audition, and then they would say they want to test you, 
and then that means that you it would probably usually between like you and like three other actors maybe and they they test every one of you um and then they make a decision who's going to get the role and i was i sort of thought i was all done for me i didn't i just didn't think anything of it and then out of nowhere suzanne uh called my agent and said um oh they they just need to do they just need to do a test with tom and it was all very ambiguous she was like well, i was like what do you mean they just need to do a test and they said oh well they they liked your first audition they just want to do a test and i said okay so i went in with suzanne again so you know what normally what happens they fly you over and they do a whole thing and you have to go over to la and you go in the studio with the producers yeah and, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah i i went in again and just did exactly the same thing with suzanne <laughs> And like she didn't really give me any of the notes or anything. She just sort of said, "Oh, um, up the the kind of ante on this bit." And then I was like, "Okay." So I went and did exactly the same thing. Uh, left and thought, "Well, there's no way that I could have like done anything uh, substantial to like bag this role at all." And then the next day, I got I, we were over in uh, in France shooting Merlin, and me and all the boys, you know, they'd all we'd all been sort of doing these audition processes for because the show was coming to an end. And I was laid in my bed and I got a call from my, my whole team saying uh, they want you to play Billy Bones in Black Sails. I was like, Jeez. what? <laughs> I was like, and it was like, this was, it was so huge. You know, it was like this big new show and I couldn't believe it that I managed to get like a lead yeah, role it's in something. It's, it's a massive, massive show. Huge. It was big, uh, yeah. yeah. I didn't think I realized how big it was until I saw the sets when we got to Cape Town down there. Um, but it turns out the reason why that all happened was and why it was so kind of like blase because you know you go through these rigorous processes to get roles and then you get to like the last five the last three the last two and you then you don't get it you so to it get just, a whole facade belt <laughs> yeah <know>. exactly <laughs> like it's like this massive <laughs> process and they're always the ones that you don't get and then that's why i always say this when you're right for something you are right for it and then it just it just fits because when i spoke to john steinberg and robert levine and, and dan shots the guy who run who run that show they were like, you were the first person we saw for Billy Bones. And we were like, that's Billy Bones. And that's, and they saw, they went try to see like other people and they said, no, the first guy, he's still the first guy. And for me, that's what I love about this career as an actor is that, like I say, when you're right for it, it, it is less hard work. You're not like trying to force that character. If you are yeah. that character, they see it and they go, that's, that's what we're looking for. It's that guy. That's who it is. Um, and yeah, so that, that was a massive shift in my career because it was my opportunity. And like I say, I felt ready for it. I felt confident that this was my time to really, uh, test myself as an actor on multiple levels. Um, certainly from a physical standpoint as well. I mean, black sales was probably still stands as the most physical acting that I've ever done, you know, in terms of what we've got put through as actors, they wanted us to do as much of our own stunt work as we could. And we did, you know, we fully embraced it and we got yeah. tested big time on that show. And it was down to our training that they really put us through the training to prepare our bodies for it. Um, and by the end of it, we, I remember when we came to the end of season four, I was talking to Toby Stevens about whether we want to do a season five. And he looked at me and was like, mate, I am knackered. And I remember thinking, yeah, actually, like doing a fifth season of getting hammered. Cause I remember actually through that show, I, um, I ended up herniating a disc in my back as well. So I was in some pretty bad pain through that. 
um, certainly through like the last two seasons. Um, and then I managed to get some stem cells um, in, my, uh, in my disc and uh, that healed it up afterwards. But I remember thinking, my body's pretty bad from this one show. I need yeah. to kind of like revamp it, you know? Uh, so yeah, on from that, like it, it that, that still stands as a, the most physical show. Yeah, but I mean, I mean that's amazing to get that as well to get that like on the back of Merlin. So you've obviously you said like so you got Merlin, that was a bit of a gear change, and then just so quick on the back to go and do just an addition where they loved you, and then you then you're in the what was it four like you say four seasons in South Africa? Oh, yes, yeah. epic thing because it's massive. Yeah. It's such a massive show. There's so much money going into that, like, to produce that. Um. Unbelievable, yeah. I mean, really, like, I remember my agent saying to me um, before I got there, uh, because he'd obviously read the scripts, he was like, I think you're going to get a whack in the face of what show you're on when you get over onto this set. <laughs> and we saw these sets, man, and it was like, what the hell have we signed up for? This is insane. Because the size of the ships and the set, like, they built this entire pirate town there. <laughs> it was like I, I mean with a beach it. a full man-made beach and a full pirate town with like tavern and a brothel and like a full what you could do like one shots all the way through you know without cutting because it was so the attention to detail was incredible and I remember feeling so lucky I just remember feeling that I'm so lucky to be doing this show like and looking back on the time I, I I think that's important as well. Like any success you get in your career, always looking back on the times that you weren't working, the times that you haven't been on a show or you, you just want to get a job. I always keep that just there in the back of my mind whenever I'm on set because it keeps you so incredibly grateful for doing what we do because it's so, it's so easy to forget sometimes. I think when you're successful or you start to get success, you start to forget about when it was tough. And if you remember when it was tough, it keeps you humble. It keeps you hungry, which is, I think, is also really important. Definitely. Um, because you want every scene to be freaking brilliant. You never look, let the ball drop. That's so important for me that every scene I bring the best <laughs> except, version except, of for me. <laughs> except for that addition. Except for except when I was being chased chased by a rhino in a in a trolley. <laughs> or volleying a football. Yeah, <laughs> who, who, by the way, should definitely take a boxing because she can slip a jab. I mean, that, well. that, that, I love that. I love the fact that she just went, there we go. It was hilarious. <laughs> Would you like, like to try shoot, that again, please, it. Tom? Shoot. She'd probably be doing it all day, though, because every actor had said the same as you. 100%. <laughs> like, you know, 100%. Can you play football? Oh, yeah, of course I can play. Amount of times I've, like, I, like, I play football, but I know that I would, I would struggle in the keep you up, even although I've played football all my life. Yeah, I, the amount of actors I've heard that I know are useless at football, and they've they've gone in for football editions, even got football roles, and I'm like, are you kidding me? They're gonna have to get yeah, a stunt yeah. double because he just fall, he'll just fall over when a ball goes near him. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, it's like uh, Adi Tomiwa, who plays um, Alex Hunter in the FIFA games. You know the FIFA games. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he plays the story mode of what the the newest FIFA game. Alex Hunter, he's a he's one of my best mates. Yeah. And he's a decent footballer, uh, Tommy Wall. Like, he can play. I mean, um, if Bradley was watching there, Bradley James, he would be like, because Bradley's got very high standards for football, he would probably be like, no, he's not. But <laughs> I'm, I'm being kind to Tommy Wall. I think Tommy Wall's a good, a good footballer. But he's certainly not professional level 
or no. like what you would expect to be in a FIFA. I was like, wait a minute, Tomiwa got the lead character in a FIFA game. <laughs> like, holy shit. I was like, I didn't even know he could play football that well. But I think he could ball. Yes, he can, but he looks for what that's what they were looking for. He looks like he he looks like this is the thing. People like you, the certain people look like they can play football, and then it falls apart when they step on the pitch. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so right, so you finished Black Sales, you finished this amazing, huge production down in South Africa, in which you were left a broken man physically, (laughs) yeah, yeah. and how, did, how, did some, the, uh, how did the yeah how did the careers carry on then? I mean, well, we know that you, Game of Thrones. You spoke about Game of Thrones. That wasn't long after, was it? Yeah, very shortly after. Yeah, it was uh, the story behind that is um, I finished on that show, and actually Freddie Stromer, who's a friend of mine, played Dick on Tarly in the previous season, and he's with the same agent as me. And the original, I think, call was to get him back on to play Dick on in uh, in that season that I was in. And uh, Freddie just signed up to a, an ABC show, so wasn't available. And my agent, Savvy Daphne Waring, my agent, she uh, <laughs> she was like, "Well, actually, um, she was like, let's." Uh, when they said, "Oh, Freddie's not available," they're like, "Oh, right, okay." And he was, she was like, "Well, are you open?" They said, "Oh, we might be looking to recast." And she was like, "Well, actually, uh, Tom Hopper's just come off Black Sales. He's finished on Black Sales now." And they were like, "Oh." Oh, okay. Yeah, well, let's just let's just see him for it. <laughs> and so my, my agent Daphne sorted herself right out. We get one one client out, and she was like, "Oh, put another one in." And I mean, me and Freddie are very different. Brilliant very, for very you. good. She's very she's very savvy. Yeah, and um, lovely for you. Very good for me. So, I mean, me and Freddie are uh, very different heights. But then she she convinced them. She was like, "Well, we never really saw we never saw Freddie stand up, so we don't know what his height was. <laughs> how tall is Freddie? So, how tall is Freddie? I mean, Freddie's probably about, I think he's probably five eleven, six foot, somewhere around there. That's that's quite a few uh, inches not, that. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a few inches missing. Uh, so he'd have to put some serious heels on. He looked he looked like he's from Kiss or something. Um, but he. Uh, yeah, so, so they said, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, we'll see him. So anyway, I did went in and, and did the meeting and stuff for it. Um, and, yeah, there you go. Like, it, it, I managed to, to get the gig. And the thing is, at the time, you didn't know how much it was really going to be involved. But when I got the offer, I said, well, what, how much is it? How long, how long am I on there? And my thing with Game of Thrones was, like, if, it's amazing to just be in that show anyway, you know, it's such a great calling card for an actor. But um, one thing it was, I always think is really important if you're going to be in it and you're going to get killed off. Yeah. I was like, so she was, uh, it's important about the death, right? Because it's whether you got a memorable death or not. And I remember Daphne, my agent saying, oh, okay, so you've got, it looks like you're in um, like four episodes um, and then you die. And I went, right. How do I die? <laughs> yeah. And she, she was like, well, and she was like, oh, I'll find out. So then she calls the casting director and he goes, so it's like a, it's basically um, a firing squad by a dragon. You get like crucified, like firing squad by a dragon. I was like, crucified by a dragon. I will take it. <laughs> that's, it's, that is a good death. It is that's a good a, death. That's a good, that's a good no. death. I've not watched all the Game of Thrones, but I had a quick peek at your death. It was it's it's a very good death. 
a very it's honourable, a, yeah. a very noble death as well. It was a noble death, yeah. And what I really because they could have quite easily because it wasn't a massive role in in this in the season, and they could have quite easily kind of tucked it away. You know, they could have quite easily just like brushed over that death, but they yeah. really gave it some weight. And I'm so grateful to those producers for giving that what it what it was. You know, because I think I've seen so many things where, and I think as an actor, you fear that your bit is going to be just pushed to the side because you're not one of the leads or whatever, especially when you go in as a guest. And they really gave it some nice weight, you know. And um, I, yeah, I think it came across it came across really well. So I was I was pleased that the way it came out. So yeah, so I did Game of Thrones, which is a mad experience. Um, crazy yeah, to be a I part mean, of that. Just like that the world's thing. sort of biggest TV series, like you say, it is a bit of a calling card because it, it, it is so huge. So such yeah, such yeah, and it's of. it's kind of like the world's best audition stage, you know, because everyone watches it. <laughs> like so yeah. many producers watch it, and it was it was the reason, really, I think, why I I got um, my next couple of jobs because. The, the showrunner of Umbrella uh, watched my, uh, my stuff on Game of Thrones and then wanted to see me straight away for... It was, it was crazy, man. Like, it was like the week, the week after my death aired, I got, like... It was like a string of um, meetings that I got for things. Like, it was like, boom, boom, boom. And I was like... And I'd had nothing for ages, man. Like, I went through... I'd already shot Game of Thrones. Yeah. And... I went through the pilot season through like January through to March, you know, there's like there's pilot season where it's like you're getting lots of auditions through from America and I wasn't getting anything. Like I just couldn't, I was like thinking shit, like I'm not getting a, a gig here. Yeah. And I was just sending tape after tape after tape and not getting anything. Then game of Thrones airs and like that two weeks afterwards, it just changed everything. Um, really? Yeah. It was nuts. And it really, it, it was then that I realized the power of, how what Game of Thrones really had, and um, so I mean I'm not sure whether because you know I had that that massive armor on in Game of Thrones, and there's like loads of hilarious memes of like my tiny head on this huge body of armor, <laughs> and I, I remember thinking I wonder if he saw I wonder if like Steve Blackman who's the Umbrella Academy uh, showrunner I wonder if he saw Game of Thrones and thought that guy looks good with a big body and a small head. We should give him Luther because <laughs> that's, that's what Luther that's, is. That's Luther all over there. That's, that's that, gold. That is Luther. There you go. Like <laughs> same thing again. And they just saw me and go, "That's the guy." <laughs> Big body, small head, and um, yeah. So I, I had a, I sent a. T- it was again. It's one of those things where, when it's when it's meant to be, it's easier. It's not forced, you know. And I, I just sent a tape to uh, those guys and for Umbrella Academy and. Uh, it was a similar sort of thing again. I was the first one to be to be seen for that role, and uh, Steve Blackman presented me to Netflix, and I had a chat with Steve Blackman, and um, yeah, we we it was a, again it was a very simple, easy process, which uh, it which was so bizarre, man, because I'd been busting my ass yeah, for the yeah. last like six months doing audition after audition after audition getting nowhere, trying, trying. And it was always like, we graft, you know, like trying to make these roles that were coming through going, okay, yeah, I reckon I can play this role. Yeah, okay, let's do it like this. And then doing, you know, when you do self-tapes, yeah. you watch it back and you go, oh, it needs to be more like this or it needs to be more like that. <laughs> and you're trying to make this role work for you. Yeah. And it's like, you're just banging your head against the brick wall. And then 
when when Luther came up, you know, it it kind of as soon as I got that that script through the through the email, I was like, ah, I love this. This looks great. And I remember reading the pilot for Umbrella Academy and thinking, I've not come across anything like this. This is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so unique. So you, from a superhero perspective, I just loved how real the 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 people were and the characters. You know, just felt like so raw you know they felt human yeah, before anything else very different feel to uh umbrella academy to a lot of superhero stuff and that that's totally like, like you say very real like because normally with superheroes are very sort of clean cut sort of like um whereas umbrella like yeah um and a lot well, it's of it's very like brutal what... <laughs> yeah like it a... is yeah and it's also like the the darker side of what being a superhero could do to a person, you know, yeah. the pressures, especially if you like their kids growing up. But I always liken it to um, growing up in a world famous pop group or something. And they're like, they only know this one world and they have this controlling dad who makes sure everything is so, so from an outside perspective, they think, Oh, it must be an incredible, like an amazing world for them. You know, they're superhero kids. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, they can do all these amazing things. But actually, on the interior, they're being deeply controlled, and they're they're feeding this future of mental health issues, and that's kind of what we jump in at. We see these people who have had a really messed up childhood because they were superheroes, and that's what I loved about it. It was just so, and it was so quirky as well. It was funny and had everything. You must that have, I, I mean, yeah, you must have been like well chuffed when you got that. Would you? Was that possibly like the most? excited you were about a part when you got that one we were like yeah that and black sales i think were the two that i was buzzing about i remember when i got umbrella that i was just because i had such a great feeling about umbrella from the scripts and like looking at the source material and meeting steve blackman who is the genius behind the show yeah. i remember just thinking this is i'm sure i've got really good feeling about this like it just felt right and um I remember being buzzing, man. Yeah, like when I came here to start shooting it and everything, and we saw the sets and we saw what they had in mind for it and the tone of the show. They're shoot also shooting on a particular camera called the Alexa 65, which is a particularly good camera and makes everything look shit hot. Yeah. Um, when I knew they were shooting on that, I was like, oh my God, like this is, they're going all out on this. And just the people they had, you know, involved in it and the, the DP that they were doing it, like this amazing DP called Neville Kidd had signed on and I knew of his work and how good he was. He was like on Outlander actually for a long time. All right. Um, and yeah. he just, he just makes stuff look so good. Um, so yeah, everything kind of ticked the boxes for it looking and being good. You know, the scripts are everything though, man, like character and script. If you don't have that and story, those twists and turns to navigate through a season, all those things, like, there's so many shows out there, right? And there's some yeah, that yeah, yeah. The really hit is... the mark and some don't. It's like what you see when you've got Netflix and you've got Prime, you've got all the other usual channels as well, but like even Disney's now come out with some, yeah. So you have to really hit home. And I think that the thing with yeah. the Umbrella Academy is before I like knew I was going to speak to you or that, um, I saw it at, um, like, you know, it was at number one on the Netflix sort of charts. Or, um, and it needs, to, it needs to be a big hit like that. And really, like, so that was why, I mean, I was watching it. Before, uh, before, before a call with yourself. It wasn't just research. Yeah. Like, yeah. Some of that other stuff. <laughs> oh, better watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy, man. Like, you know, 
the thing is in this career, you never know what's going to hit and what's not. You do it. I mean, I, I've, I've realised yeah. to really enjoy things for not for the success that it might have or like, oh, you know, what's it going to be like when it's out? For me now, the enjoyment is all about the process. It's about the on-set experience as opposed to what it's going to turn out like. I couldn't care less whether a scene gets cut or not. I don't care whether the story is told the way I thought it was going to be told. I tend to not put any weight on that because that's out of my control. What I try to enjoy is the things that are in my control, which is my on-set experience, like how I develop that character, how I work with what I have on the day and the development of that character, the, you know, working with the showrunner to develop the story of that character. Because everything else after that is kind of like, it just it induces anxiety of like, oh, what are they going to do with it? How are they going to no, edit it? Of course, it? that's know, it. It's out of your control. When, you, when, when you're an actor, all you can do is focus on what you, you, your character, the scenes, the storytelling, that's all you can do. Because like you say, yeah. outside of that, there's nothing you can do. So you yeah. just got to do, do your job the best you can. That's it. Um, yeah. And that's, that's it. Um, well, I mean, on that, actually, do you know what we will talk about? Yeah, go on. Because I've got to talk about this. Because you're the only man that um, <laughs> I think will ever be in my podcast who's been in the front cover of Men's Health. Well, you never know. There might be more around the corner. <laughs> I don't think so, mate. They might, they might. Fuck well, you yeah. know. Um, you've might, obviously, the you know, you've obviously had an amazing acting career. Um, and, and like we say, like Umbrella Academy is absolutely fantastic. We'll talk about what you've got upcoming in as well. Um, but, but how was men's health? Like, like, how did that happen? And how, like, how did you feel about that? Like, um, uh, well, well, the thing is with men's health, like, I, to take it way back, like I used to, when I first started working out, I used to look at, you know, people on the front of men's health. I remember like Ryan Reynolds doing his cover. And when I was, this one, when I was finishing drama school in my early twenties and was trying to do that thing of like brand myself and like put myself in a certain bracket and get into good shape. And I remember looking at that men's health magazine going, fuck man, that'd be so cool to, <laughs> to be someone on the front of one of those covers one day. Like that'd be so cool. I remember just thinking of having it as like a goal in the back of my mind thinking that would be something to aim for. You know, That's being mad. on That's, something that, yeah. yeah, and also because I was I was into working out and fitness and stuff, I was like, "That's kind of where I should sit." I think that's where I need to aim for is that kind of world of being one of those guys. And um, I never even I just sort of like I say, sort of placed it in the back of my mind, but kind of yeah. had it as a, a a weird sort of focus that one day I might try, I might get that, I might aim for that. But anyway, we did. We went on to Black Sales, and we did uh, all this training and everything at Rourke and it turned out that Rourke had a very good connection with the South African men's health there. Right. And, and South African men's health health, uh, Jason, who runs that, that magazine, he said, Oh, I'd love to do um, a feature on the guys for black sales, you know, doing their training and everything. So we did like an internal feature and they photoshot us and everything. And they did this whole thing about uh, our training for the show and the intensity of it with Rourke gyms. And not thinking anything about a cover or, you know, we just thought we'd be featured in it. And then we, we, I got a call when I, I think it was when I went back for season two, because I haven't released the magazine yet. When I went back for season two, I got a call from Jason, the editor in, in, the, in the magazine there saying, oh, can we do a cover shoot with you 
for the with for the interior we, we wanted to try and like present a cover so i went in and was like oh yeah absolutely so this was for exclusively for south africa men's health so i was thinking at this point i was like man i might get a, you know a south africa men's health cover that's awesome yeah 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 so well, especially um, when you actually thought and aimed the, for, for yeah, that that's, yeah. that, that's it was unbelievable man but then I so I went and did this shoot for them and did this whole cover shoot, and then I knew I'd so then they approved the men's health uh, South Africa cover, so that was huge for me to get that. And then yeah, after that there was I got um, these emails coming through from my agents saying this cover you've just been approved for this cover in this region and this cover in this region, and before I knew it I had um, a US cover um, covers in all over Europe. Um, so I managed to like get covered in Australia. Like so I got covers in all these. I couldn't believe it, man. It was literally like a dream come true for me to like That's achieve insane. that. I was like, so yeah. basically, you were just you just thought you were going to be South Africa cover, and then next yeah, thing you know, you became just an like, international thing all around yeah. the world. It was unbelievable. Like it was a, it was a real moment for me. It was a, that was a real kind of landmark of, like I say, because I'd thought about it, because I'd seen it as something that I wanted to kind of achieve in my career. To tick that box was amazing. Um, it, you, it just shows you like like you know it's a lot about like when people have goals when you have when you have that focus and you have that like dream and belief sort of thing it it, it can happen um but you've yeah. got to you've got to aim for certain things i mean it's, it's it came around in quite a strange sort of way i mean i don't think you ever thought it would start in south africa and then no. sort of spread from there then spread yeah it was bizarre but it's kind of one of those things like if you have a goal like you say if you keep it in the back of your mind it's like sometimes it's it's like when if you are eating a certain way, if you think you're going to like fall off the, the, the wagon and you're not going to carry on eating healthily or like if you don't, you should stop going to the gym or like in the middle of a workout, you think, oh, I'm going to, I'll just not finish this because I'm whacked. Having those goals, having those things as motivation to go, I'm never going to achieve that if I do that. I'm never going to achieve what I want if I fall off the wagon today and don't stay eating healthily or I don't finish this workout or I don't go to the gym today. They're never going to happen. Yeah. It will be you're you're falling off the wagon. That's exactly what's happening. So keeping those things as a an ultimate goal of what you're trying to achieve, they're the they're the real driving forces, not the the day to day of oh I can't be asked today or like you know it's, it, that's what drives you and it, yeah, that's what drives consistency across the board. I think that's same with acting as well. Is always working on your craft and things like that. If ultimately you want a successful career. Yeah, consistency is key in like making sure that you always turn up, you're always focused, you're always there to give your best. Then I sort of feel that that's if you're if you're always giving your best, right? Then you can't give any more than that. That's what. Like, do you know what? I always say <laughs> we we agree on this, Tom. <laughs> like, I do always say like when people talk about additions and that, and I'm like, and they come out and say, I just go when you do your addition do it the best you can if you come out going that's my 100 percent, the best i can you can't be disappointed there's nothing like yeah. that's you. You, you yeah the only time you come out and it's really it, it hurts and it's a bit crap and you really beat yourself up is when you've not well you know and you know why you've maybe not prepared right or whatever it might be that's the only yeah. time if you um, can blame if you the only time to blame yourself is when you only have yourself to blame via like lack of preparation and you know not doing all the, the things that you should have done to to give your best yeah i think always being prepared is another one you know like that is, is a huge factor 
Yes, most definitely. Um, and on the on the see on the men's health, just a little side question on that. Uh, do you get to pick the photo, or do they just sort of basically go, "Look, this is the money. This is the money shot." Tom. This, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> I mean, when I you're doing the shoot. <laughs> Because I think about it. my headshots, you know, my headshots, it takes me forever. And I'm Mate, thinking... Again, that's another, that's another thing where it's like, if you think too much about it, you'll drive <laughs> yourself nuts. Because yeah. obviously they take like hundreds of shots on the day. And you think, and you, if you went through every one, you'd be like, oh, that Because you... The thing is, like doing self-tapes, you micromanage... No, no, exactly. That's yourself, what I was thinking. Your I was belief, like... right? I was like, did he get to? Did he get a choice, or did he bring it down to about two? <laughs> yeah, man, like I mean, they, because they they choose them. Like you, you're you're kind of in their hands, really, and and you know they're not going to throw you under the bus. You know that they're not going to be, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, horrendous. You're like, oh my god, <laughs> just, <laughs> no. you, you know why? Like, it's on their magazine at the end of the day, so it, they want yes, it to look good, of course. Um, so I've been fairly fortunate. I mean, I also try not to think about it too much because if you do and you think, why on earth did they pick that shot? I mean, the only time <laughs> I've had one shot and it, it, it annoyed me for another reason. I had one shot in a photo shoot for another fitness magazine where I was doing some, uh, some work on some like gymnastic rings and they got a shot where my, my right shoulder was like internally rotated. So right. from a technique, from my technique perspective, I'm a, I'm a big stickler for technique on the gymnastic rings. And I happened to, to like internally, like, cause I was obviously doing tons and tons of these dips through the shoot. Yeah, I obviously yeah, yeah. started to fatigue and put my, my shoulder in the wrong position. And they put a shot in where my shoulder is internally rotated. And I was like, oh man, that's really annoying because people will see that and think that I think that's how you do it when I'm actually a real big stickler for technique. Yeah, they'll be like, apart poor, from that, poor technique hopper. That's, that's technique. what the, the, the world will think. The world, exactly. Well, fortunately, there's only a certain a small percentage of people who actually know that's an issue. But, um, but for me, that's the thing. I'm a stickler for that sort of thing. So no one else will notice. That was just something that I did. But when it comes to like thinking whether I look good or not, you know, I'm like, I'm not going to lose any sleep over that because those photos are just, they're there, they're there for, you know, forever. Oh, look, so. I mean, when you're front cover, front cover around the world on men's health, you're not going to have a bad photo. Like, you know, I'm like, I think that you're going to you be like softened. to think they're going to look after you. Yeah. You yes. Like, you, like, you know, top people, top people. And also like, <laughs> like we say, it was only meant to be South Africa. So once it starts going around the world, I think that's a bit of a thumbs up that the photo that, was quite good. Oh my good. God. Yeah. Then it went all right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah that's a crazy, pat in the man. back. Like, it was such a, a mad experience, but um, great. It was, again, like you say, it was uh, amazing for me. You know, it's a great box to tick. Oh, brilliant. Right. Love it. Um, I've got a few questions from social media, of course, for Go you. On. <laughs> like, honestly, some of the I'm questions a... you get, I love them. Oh, my God. Yeah, there's some crackers. I mean, this this one's great. Just uh, like, because it's the simplicity that I loved. Uh, from nonsense fans. Uh, how come he's so tall? Just going to say genetics, <laughs> not heels. I know. I was like, that, that, I just was like, how that's come fantastic. he's so tall? I was like, that is I, a brilliant question. I was like, you've got all these questions you could ask, and you've just that, that was it, straight one line done. How come he's so tall? <laughs> you can see they all sat together, thought about it. What, what shall we ask, lads? Yeah. I was oh. going to say, my dad, Phil Hopper. That's Phil the reason Hopper. why. 
Yeah, well done, Phil. That's why Phil 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 Hopper is the answer. Phil is well responsible for that. Julie, Julie, Julie Wan or Wan, favorite role so far? Well, that's always a tough one because I take so much from everyone. You know, I have. Yeah, I know, but Julie, Julie needs to know what you. Screw you, Julie. You're not having it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I think. In terms of overall enjoyment on set, what the character is, the show, you know, the story, the role, uh, I'd say Lutheran Umbrella Academy is a gift. It is an absolute gift. But also Black Sails was, was in May. Billy Bones, the, the story that those showrunners gave me for that four seasons of that show was unreal. I, like, I, I could never have asked for anything better. So it would be between those two. Yeah, 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 yeah. And finally, Amanda Wortley. Amanda Wortley, uh, when is your healthy eating slash exercise book out? Good question. So I, I know very uh, good questions. Yeah, yeah, very good question. Like someone's been uh, someone's been watching. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm writing a book at the moment, which will probably be out. Well, COVID slowed it down because I had children that I'd look after while I was supposed to be writing it. So that that was tricky. But <laughs> um, fingers crossed, next next year. Yeah, if all goes well. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a book that I, I've had in mind for a while and I've sort of gone, gone back and forth into it because it's all about what I do to try and make the choices, the, the positive choices on a daily basis to kind of create what um, what works for me. Yeah. And, and it's sort of if people want to look at that and see, you know, because I don't want people to go, this is the way, I don't want people to think that it's me saying, this is the way you should do it. What I'm saying is this, I've got to a place in my life right now. And that's why I'm writing it now that I can look back and go, these are the reasons why this works for me in my day-to-day life. It won't work for everyone, but it's all about everyone finding their own individual path. That's what this is about. And like how to be the best version of you, you know, how to find a a baseline in your life. that You can go, yeah, I can go up or down from here, but this is a good place where I sit, where I, get rid of that negativity keep this positivity keep a few of these things in there but ultimately i feel very level um and so it's all about you know your mind your habits uh your physical activity all those things the choices you can make to make positive change in your life or positive um sustainability i suppose very very i'll tell you what the better questions are what i have I mean, especially Amanda at the end. Amanda, I mean, I, Amanda, I mean nothing out, of, out of left field. <laughs> Nonsense fans, not so sure. I don't think Nonsense the podcast... Fans, would... you, you got to go back to the drawing board on your questions. Might not have been the longest, the longest podcast if they were on the questions. I love that they probably... The Nonsense fans probably had a board meeting and went, <laughs> this right, is what, it, what, what should we ask him? They're not and even they individual. Went, yeah, one of them went, I got it. I got an absolute blinder. <laughs> Tell us it. How comes he's so tall? Jake, oh so my tall? god! Oh my god! End of meeting. <laughs> Let's just, go just, home. You'll just never see that coming. <laughs> I don't, yeah. No, not I a chance. I genuinely Said, like, no, I no like, one saw oh that god. one coming. Um, everyone, anyone's ever asked me that? <laughs> question from myself. Um, I'm not long into. I'm not long into Umbrella Academy, but I did very much love 
the dancing scene. I'm sure you've like been asked about this many a time because it is it's such a, a fantastic scene. Um, but I just want to know: uh, was it Hopper Magic himself, or a choreographed uh, dance moves that you or were you just bringing it, just bringing what? So what you're came talking to about you? the dan- there's two dance scenes in season one. Are you talking about the first? The first one. First episode. I'm, oh, I'm looking yeah. forward to it. So there's more. Fantastic. Oh, there's, uh, yeah, yeah. There's another <laughs> one coming up. Um, but uh, <laughs> fans who have watched the show will know what I mean. But yeah, you've got a treat. Um, so one was choreographed. The later one was choreographed. The one you've got coming up. And the other one was, yeah, pure freestyle. They, pure. Yeah, they, they said very basic instruction, particularly for Luther, because Luther starts it. So like Steve Blackman was like, I want you to kind of like just you know, be nodding your head to start with and kind of like just start to get into it a little bit. And then from there on, you kind of got free reign. And um, a lot, one one dance move that's kind of, it's sort of got this weird cult following for a dance move. <laughs> and they people are calling it the crab. Uh, yeah. So the, the, the crab it was dance, a distinctive right? moment, crab, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so that moment, well, I just threw that in. Right? That was at the point when I was like, shit, I'm running out of moves here. And I just went across the screen doing that. Because that was a, a dance move that me and my buddy Sim and my mate Gary were in a, a club in Leicester. And there was a professional rugby player in there called Alessandra Tuolangi. And there was All a right. girl. Yeah, you know Tuolangi? Yeah, Alessandra. Yeah. So he's Manu's brother, older brother. And he was in there. And we were like, oh, my God, there's Alessandra. Because we're big Leicester Tigers fans. And um, we're like, it's Alessandra. And then there was these like, girls that were trying to impress them right and dancing in front of them and one of these girls did this crab dance in front of him like kind of like presented like a backside to him like was like dancing around but like kind of did this weird Beyonce kind of booty shake but while doing the crab across him like in front of him (laughs) and and me and my buddy Sim were in hysterics watching this bird and we always like then took the piss out of this girl doing the crab dance. And I couldn't think at the moment, at that time in the doing the dance in the dancing scene, I couldn't think of it as a, a dance move. And I was like, oh my God, the crab dance. <laughs> and I just immediately like, just like dread across the screen doing the crab dance. So when my buddy Sim I love it. That's when my buddy Sim watched the show, he was like, oh my God, he got the crab dance in. He's like that, what, from the Leicester nightclub dance floor, some random yeah. girl. In front of Tuolangi, that you trying to impress Tuolangi with a crab move. I love it. You've taken that to the Umbrella Academy. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. so it's pretty special that 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 made it in the edit. I was uh, particularly proud of that one. But yeah, See, that was all freestyle, thing. man. It was great. They just played that song, and we just we went for it. It was brilliant. That's why Umbrella is so much fun to shoot because they do things that so many things when we shoot on that show. They're kind of like, yeah, just go for it. Just do whatever yeah. you want to do. Like we'll we'll pick it up. We'll find it, and we have a lot of creative flow on that. Like Steve Blackman is amazing for allowing us to bring ourselves to the roles and bring our personalities to them. Bring what what we we really feel um, might enhance the scene in some way. Like he allows us to try stuff um, as well as we already have. Like it's amazing script to work with. So you kind of with that and then having that creative freedom. Even if you only ever stick to the script and you don't go off script at all, you feel free because he's given you that freedom. You don't yeah, feel yeah. restricted to those lines, you know, and he's amazing at that. He's so good at giving us that, that artistic freedom. We're very lucky. 
Not, I mean, yeah, I mean, it does look like a, a cracking show, and it does, it, it, it looks like you all have that because it's such specific personalities, each of the characters. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that makes a difference without doubt. All right, that is Last Orders, Tom Hopper. So here we go. We're going to do some quick fire questions, and you just have to tell me straight away gut reactions, uh, what you think. All right, all right, go that, on. Cool. Yeah. Do you have a hidden talent? I can do a bear. A mod? A bear. I can do an impression <laughs> of a, a grizzly bear from, All well, right. specifically the bear from Great Outdoors. The bear from Great Outdoors. Oh, come on. You got to, like, okay. you're on video. Let's go for it. If, if I'm, yeah. So, so for audio what, uh, listeners, I, I apologize. Okay, ready? <laughs> <laughs> I honestly did not expect that to be anywhere near as good as that. That is ridiculous. That is phenomenal. How do, how do you even find out that you can do that? Honestly, uh, animal study at drama school. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, I got given a bear and I thought, right, I'm going to watch some. And I'll tell you what, the bears at London Zoo are pretty boring mate so i just watched all these movies with bears in you know, like documentaries and then honestly the, that great, is the great outdoors came, came good <laughs> that is fantastic oh what a what a little clip from a podcast um next up uh guilty pleasure uh coffee i would say like i'm a drink probably too much coffee really <laughs> as we found out right from the start yeah. um, do you have a pet hate um, um, not really no I don't think I do probably Nothing. not really a pet hate no I don't hate anything like that but I'm, I'm probably sure if someone was sitting right in front of you, picking their nose and eating it. Would that? Mm, that I, I suppose <laughs> when people say, you know, when people say they don't have time, like for something, or when they go, "Oh, I haven't got time." If they say, like, when when I say about working out, or they say they want to achieve something, they want like to get into right. shape or things like that, or they, you know, they go, "Oh, I haven't got time." I go, "Well, no, I've got two children, and my wife has two children, and she still finds time to work out, and you know, working all the time." It's like. I, if you I want to do something, like yeah. If you want to do it, you'll find a way to do it. Like I find it's a poor excuse. So when people, that's just that as an excuse. When people go, oh, I haven't really got time. Mm, that's a poor excuse. So it's not a pet hate. I just get a bit like that's not. I don't buy that. <laughs> it's just like bullshit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> straight off. <laughs> that's all. Um, do you have a bad habit? A bad habit. Um, yeah, I obsess over stuff. I have a bad habit of obsessing over things and it can be, it's a good thing. It can be a good yeah. thing, but it, you know, I think the, the thing is always like managing that obsessive uh, behavior and keep, keeping it a positive thing. Cause it can drive people around you nuts. So that's <laughs> recognizing it as a bad habit. It can actually be a positive thing. What is your go-to karaoke song? Ooh. Um, Tribute by Tenacious D. Oh, very good. Very good indeed. Yeah. Not sure you'll get that every karaoke, but yeah. 
It's good. Yeah, you, I've been I've been fairly fortunate. I can always usually, <laughs> my, usually get in it. my karaoke career. I've been fairly yeah, fortunate. I've been very, yeah, and you would call it a career. I've I've frequented <laughs> many a karaoke bar and uh, oh, destroyed man. their microphones. Oh, I'd like, love a karaoke. If I see karaoke, oh, wait, I'm yeah. in there in a the shop, which is what, I mean, that is one of my, like, COVID is killing me at the moment. It's because like, <laughs> karaoke, karaoke, karaoke is just like the last thing that's going to return. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Like that, it's, yeah, sharing that microphone. That's, I know she passing around the microphone and everyone, yeah. like, you know, just spitting sweating all over and it. like spitting all into it. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah karaoke. about that. Karaoke will be back in 2030. That's, yeah. <laughs> uh, who's your favorite actress? Ooh, good question. Probably Meryl Streep. Oh, she's probably the most popular now, actually. Just for you saying that, like that's probably her got the most votes so far on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, she's just so phenomenal, man. And like, from what I've heard, she's incredibly generous as an actress as well, and like is super professional, um, and just constantly pulls out incredible performances. So yeah, she ticks all the boxes for me on that. Yeah, no, that's 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 fair enough, really. That one. Um, mm. Who's your favourite actor? Do I have a favourite actor? Because um, I have many. I've got many actors. I think that there's been lots of standouts, but you know, it's a funny one. Not necessarily in terms of what I. In terms of like, so for me. I've obviously had a personal experience with this guy, right? Right. But it's from a personal experience. I look at what he does. And the reason he's my favorite, I would say, is because I've worked with him and he's been a huge inspiration to me of how to operate and behave as an actor, as a lead actor, and how to bring a certain vibe to set and to the people around you, especially when you're leading a cast. Yeah. Um, And that's Toby Stevens, who played Captain Flint in Black Sails. He's so phenomenally professional, but always creates a fun environment, always is playful. But when when he needs to get the job done, he pulls out an incredible performance. And that, that just from my perspective, on a personal level, that's why he's probably my favorite, just because of what I've learned from him and how, what he's done for me as an actor and inspired me as an actor. Yeah, yeah brilliant. Oh, that's a very good answer. I think that's a great answer, actually. Um, who was your idol growing up? Probably Arnold Schwarzenegger, actually. I watched all As of his movies. As we've talked about, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's... yeah. Huge inspiration. I mean, he'd be in there as well. It's like, I mean, not necessarily as an actor, but as a movie star and inspiration, he's up there because I suppose he comes into that that bracket quite a lot. But I, think I used that's to watch the thing, Terminator so you... Judgment Day every freaking day, man. I loved that movie. Yeah, but I think like the whole actor movie star sort of thing is it's it's quite an interesting thing. There's that there's that like screen charisma and like just people just love. There's something about absolutely loving a performer because being a great mm. actor, like like being able to like turn in this amazing character and and stuff. But there's something about being a movie. There's certain people who are just movie stars. I think like Tom Cruise and like I, I just have that. That's it. They'll have certain performances where you go, that was a great acting performance. But overall, the reason that they are where they are is because they're amazing movie stars. They have gravitas. They put bums on seats. They get people, whatever it is, they have something that draws people to come and watch their movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
It's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. It is. Yep. Yeah. And hopefully I'll have it one day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm well, working on it. it? To, <laughs> to achieve both, I think, very few have done. To have been a phenomenal actor yeah. and to be able to pull in the box office numbers, that's something that a very small percentage of people, a very small percentage of actors have done, I think. Like Brad Pitt is one of those, I think. Um, Leo DiCaprio, I think, is there. Yeah, I think um, there's a done. few that, that that just pull in the numbers, and they're incredible movie stars. Yes, no, and I, and 100%. Actors, sorry, yeah. Um, if you weren't a performer, what would you be? Well, you might have already guessed this, but definitely something in some kind of the fitness industry or the health industry, um, which I didn't realise until later on in my career. It's weird how you change as a person, but yeah, later later on in my I always used to say like a fireman or something. I would have been like a, I would have liked to have been like a fireman. It's always something physical, I think. But when, when I've gone down my career and in, in my personal life and what's changed and what I've learned in my personal life, I now I'm really into health and fitness and nutrition and trying to help other people find their way in that, you know, on their own health journey. So I suppose that's another reason why I'm doing the book and stuff, because it is another avenue that I'm extremely passionate about. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It would it would naturally fall into that if I wasn't an actor. I think. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Very good. No, that's that, like I mean, I like I like the fireman thing as well. Funnily enough, your your mate your mate Jama. That's what he said. Oh, Jama, yeah. Well, we used to talk about it. You know, like when when Did our you? careers were like going down the pangs. Me and Jama lived together, and this is James Robinson we're talking about. Um, <laughs> who's uh, who? Who was actually he's, he's he's episode one. The episode one. So if you want to find oh, out, episode one is he? Yeah, he is. Found out so, all uh, about James Robinson. There people you go. know all about James Robinson. So yeah, me and Jammer live together, um, play football together as well, um, many games. In fact, Jammer is one of the reasons I thought I couldn't have kids because he kicked a football straight into my bollocks <laughs> uh, when we were playing a game of football once, and I was like, <laughs> that's destroyed my my balls, hundred percent. So I didn't think I could have kids, thanks to Jammer. <laughs> but it turns out I could. Um, <laughs> That was, that was a surprising day. Uh, but I, uh, yeah, what, what, was, what was my thought line then with Jammer? Um, we were talking about uh, when we were living with each other. What did he, oh, fireman. Yeah, we said about being a fireman. <laughs> yes, so, yeah, fireman. me and Jammer, me and Jammer used to say when our careers were down, the panel were like, screw it, man. Let's just go down the fire station and, like, sign up. Let's just That's do it. That's amazing. And we're going to do it together. And then we kept sort of like putting it off and like thinking, no, let's give it one more blast. Let's give it one more blast at the acting thing. Because you do go through times where you're like, it, oh, I can't it, do it. Can't do it anymore. Like, if, this is the thing. is like everyone I've had on this is obviously like people who've uh, been successful, had like great careers, have all done different things in different ways and stuff. Mm. But everyone's had difficult times. Everyone's had oh those God. moments where it's like what am I doing and am I actually going to get anywhere with this yeah. um, is this just crazy what, um... well I always say to youngsters who are getting into the industry like unless you're prepared for some serious ups and downs don't go into this career unless you're willing because it's people that, that say you know I want to do it but I'm just not very good with rejection or with like being told no or, and like well then this maybe isn't the career for you you know because <laughs> you need to you need to really roll with the punches and understand that it's not also seeing it as rejection, I think is really bad. I think it, I always see it as like yeah. sales. It's like a version of sales. It's like, 
you make a call, you don't get a sale. You make a call, you don't get a sale. And eventually someone's going to go, I quite like that product. I'll buy that. Do you know what I mean? But you're going to yeah, get a yeah. hundred no's before you get the yes. Yeah, because I think rejection's kind of making, like, that's making out that like, they were just like, no, definitely not. Oh, my not God, that you're person. horrendous. Exactly. Yeah. But like, like you say, like, there are so many, there's so many elements to it. And you can come through the door and straight away they'd be like, mm, they're, they're not right for this part. And then you could do the mm. best edition in the world and they'll, they'll remember you. Then you may oh. not get that part, but that's not you getting... It's not like rejection is like such a terrible way of putting it. It's sort of yeah, and it puts that in your mind if you call it rejection. I, I'm I'm a big believer in, you know, um, the way you, you know perception of things, the way you perceive a situation, or the way you take it. It is it depicted by the way you paint that picture for yourself. So if you see it as a rejection, if you yeah. go if you call it a rejection, then you're going to see it that way. Whereas you see it that you just weren't right for that role that's a very different way of looking at it. And it's a much more positive way to go. Okay, cool. On to the next one. I'll give my best on the next one and see if they like that role. Um, because yeah, rejection is just, it's just not the way to positively go through your career. You'll just end up feeling like down all the time that you're like, yeah. you're constantly like convincing yourself that you're being rejected is a horrible it's, thought. It's not the most positive one really, is, is it? it? <laughs> no. My no. God. Oh dear. Um, Right, well, you know what? We're coming to the end, but before we sign off, um, tell us a bit about what's coming up. Uh, I know we've got we've got uh, a couple of you've got an an SES is it right an SES film with uh, Sam Hewn, who was the year above me. Yeah, at drama Sam. School. Yeah, a fellow Scott. Yeah, oh, he's with you at yeah. drama school, is he? Yeah, he was the year above me at drama school. Uh, I also killed him in Rebus as well. Oh, like well, ITV. Played. well played. <laughs> sure, he deserved yeah. it. Um, oh yeah he did yeah he sam's did. a ledge man what a, what a guy he's yeah, such no. a nice dude and we become very good friends after doing that movie yeah so we did this movie uh sas red notice which is a um andy mcnab who is the is a yeah very yeah. well-known uh novelist and sas uh, ex-special forces guy and um this is his one of his books turned into a movie Brilliant. and uh yeah it's great man it's really good fun it, and all it, everything obviously again got delayed because of covid because of cinema releases and things like that but it'll be coming out uh i think beginning to mid next year is the plan now for that movie um i've got hitman's wife's bodyguard which is the sequel to hitman's bodyguard uh with uh, ryan reynolds and samuel yeah, jackson with those your, guys with your men's health buddy uh, yeah yeah my head, the, yeah, which was really weird, like working with him, thinking, I used to look at you on a magazine, thinking, it'd be good to be like you one day. <laughs> I on used to look at your torso. I used to look at your think, torso and go, that's what that I want to be. a lovely torso. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, and that was, that's really fun. That was a, a great shoot. And uh, again, <laughs> COVID got it delayed through till next year. Um, but is that all done? Shoot... Is that done? That's like that one's done. ready for release? Yeah. And then... Uh, I think it's just been announced. Actually, I'm doing the new um, uh, the Resident Evil reboot, which I'm yeah, so, so, about so, yeah. into the story. But yeah, it's it's going to be good, man. I'm looking forward to to doing it. So that so that you're you're about to film. Yeah, yeah, we're about to shoot that. Yeah, so Fantastic. Um, which is it's going to be a really good reboot. I think um, I think I'm hoping that fans of the game are going to be really content with this. Actually, <laughs> there is a lot of pressure with these things. 
like there's oh my god i know say that like, especially is... playing like iconic characters and stuff they have an idea in their head of what they think it should be be like in a movie and uh you never want to disappoint that was like umbrella academy you know it had a big cult following yeah. before we started it and making sure that you keep a cult following happy is important dude like it's like those guys that will make or break your your movie or your tv show yeah no i bet no definitely yeah i'm guessing it's gone all right i guess i think umbrella yeah i think that we we pleased (laughs) the existing fans and then gained some new ones you know so uh i think yeah generally the feedback has been pretty good for the way that they've created the world and the show and compared it to the the comic i think they just broadened it out and also grounded it pretty well so yeah hopefully hopefully we can do the same thing in resident evil yeah <laughs> no pressure at all <laughs> no i know right oh god it's horrible forget uh, that, gonna lose that well tom hopper thank you very much for coming on to a performer a paint and a pod mate been a pleasure thanks for having me There we go, that was the fantastic Mr Tom Hopper from kicking footballs at casting directors' faces and doing impressions of grizzly bears all the way to the Umbrella Academy, Black Sails and Merlin and of course, Men's Health front cover. Quite the career and I'm sure there will be loads more in the future to come from him. Anyway, there we go. That has been Performer, A Pint and A Pod. And I have been your host, Graham Rooney. I'm not sure when the next episode will be, but I hope that you have enjoyed the series so far. And hopefully I'll get some time to bring you some more podcasts. But for now, I hope you've enjoyed the Tom Hopper podcast. And apologies that I had such a huge Christmas party.